few weeks ago, we, uh, I was out on vacation, and I believe Angie was out, and Greg was out, and nobody knew how to turn on the sound system. Nobody knew how to do it. And, um, you know, that, that really today kind of goes great for this particular sermon topic, because I brought this book from the sound booth back there. I don't know if you can read this, but I'll read it for you. It says, Need Help, AV Manual, Audio Video Manual. And in here, Greg has taken pictures and shows you a step-by-step process of what to do. So we got that done this morning, Becky and I, and I'm going to put it here, so don't let me lose that thing. Um, this is sort of the roadmap for the system. It's not that complicated, but you need to know what to do to make it work correctly. So you can't just go back there and flip buttons and it works correctly. And even then, you need to know how to turn things on and how to mute people. Becky, you should be muted right now. You muted yourself, okay. And... Um, I mean, even to turn on the televisions and the computer, and we do Facebook Live, there's just a lot to do. And so William and I are back there, and I'm going, showing him the crash course. And so I'm saying that to say we all need a roadmap. Last week, and by the way, if you would open a Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning, 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Last week, I started a series on excess, excess baggage, and the, the idea being this, we carry things on our shoulders we really don't need to carry. Jesus said these words in uh, the time he walked here on this earth. He said, take my yoke upon you, for my burden is light. Jesus wants to lighten our load, but so many of us, we just... We just take stuff and we pile it on our shoulders and we carry it in our mind and we carry it in our heart and it burdens us down, it weighs us down. And that's the whole idea behind this particular series. Now last week, the focus was where are you going? Because as we're going on this trip of life, we need to know where we're going. And the focus of that message was are you going to heaven or are you not going to heaven? And the alternative is not heaven, but hell. Eternal damnation, total separation from God for all of eternity. And so that was the focus last week. We've got to get rid of the baggage we have about the gospel, the blood of Christ, all of the things that God has done to offer us the gift of salvation, it is free to all, but it's not given to all. It's given to those who receive Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And that's what the focus of last week was. Get on the bus, get on the train, get in the car, get on the road of being a, a follower of Jesus. And then today, we're going to talk about follow the plan, follow the road map. Now, here's what I want you to think about today. When you go on a trip, you need a road map. Today, when we came into the service knowing that Greg and some others weren't going to be here and then it was complicated, all of our students or most of our students are not here today because uh, uh, Brianna's sick and I'm trying to work on that. Brianna's sick and so there was no youth class today. And a lot of our youth 
stand in the role back there. So we have the roadmap. We opened it up. We followed the directions. We got it up and running. And now we seem to be moving pretty smoothly. The Bible is our roadmap as Christians. And when we take the baggage of this world, when we take the baggage of our life, and we choose the baggage over the plan God's given us in His Word, that's where we get in, into trouble. Jesus said this in Matthew 10.10, 10, the thief, the devil. He says the devil, is, his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the devil wants to do. The devil lays in the hearts and the lives of every one of us, guess what, baggage. He wants us to be distracted from God's Word. He wants us to follow any plan but God's plan. And the journey that we're on as Christians, God wants us to experience His best because Jesus said, the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy. But He says, I have come. My purpose is to give you life and give it to you abundantly. We don't have to wait till heaven to experience the abundance of Christ. If we follow the plan of God, the roadmap that God has given us, then we will experience God's best always, and our life will be filled with abundance. My aunt, my mom's sister, is on hospice down in South Georgia with lung cancer. She's a member of uh, Buckhorn United Methodist Church. When I went last Saturday, not yesterday, but the Saturday before, to visit my aunt and mom and dad, their church is in the middle of a, a situation. If you're not aware, the Methodist church is in the middle and has been in the middle of a, a, a doctrinal mess over the past few years. And the specific issues that they're struggling with is doctrinal integrity. They are abandoning Scripture they're following culture rather than Scripture. And it's got them in a mess. My aunt's church is deciding soon whether or not to stay in the United Methodist Conference. And the specific issues within the Methodist church kind of center around two things. One, the idea of homosexuality and whether or not to allow gay people to be pastors, etc., etc., and the other issue is there's a growing movement in the United Methodist Church to not talk about the blood of Jesus as the means of salvation. And this was in a letter that they received from the conference whether they are going to decide to stay or not stay. I am saying that to say to you, the Methodists are not the only ones struggling with such issues. The Episcopalians are, the Presbyterians are, independent churches are, and yes, even some Baptist churches are. The reason I'm sharing those specific things with you is this. Throughout all of Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, God laid out a plan for us to experience life as He wants us to experience it. While we are not bound by the Old Testament laws, there are some things that are not generational, but they are without time, exception, or rule. For example, God does not want us to have any idols. God does not want us to uh, mess with human sexuality. 
God does not want us to kill or steal or bear false witness. God does not want us. Now, these are some of the don'ts. You know, when we think of the Ten Commandments and even New Testament scriptures, we think of all the things I can't do. The reason I'm sharing these, I can't do them, that can become baggage for you as a believer. If you say in your life, I'm going to do what I want to do, I don't care what the Bible says because the Bible is outdated, then you're going to rob yourself of joy. You're going to rob yourself of peace. You're not going to experience life fully and abundantly. And that's what will happen. And we're going to explore that in just a minute. When we follow the plan, the roadmap that God has set for us, life will be much more pleasurable, much more enjoyable, much more blessed. We have to follow the roadmap. By the way, there's a lot of things we should be doing that we're not doing. But aside from that, let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. This is what Timothy has received from Paul the Apostle, as inspired by God. He says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from childhood you have known that the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God, and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now these words, as I just mentioned, were written by Paul, the apostle, while in prison, and at this point he knew that his life on this earth was almost over. He was about to die martyr's, martyr's death. He's writing to a young preacher named Timothy. Paul did not write these words as his own. Paul wrote these words as God inspired him and, and moved him and led him and guided him. Paul understood not just the Old Testament and the New Testament at that time was in the process of being written, but Paul understood that God was moving and shaping and giving us a roadmap, Scripture, to guide us through every situation in life to help us be the person that God wants us to be and to experience the fullness of life as God intended it on this side of heaven as well as to prepare us for heaven itself. Many people have said that here on this earth, we are rehearsing for what we're going to get in heaven and experience in heaven. This is our, our we're learning kind of situation. And so when we see these words back in verse number 14, Paul wanted Timothy and Paul wants us to know. God wants us to know. You see, these words have been preserved by God for us today and the generations before us as well as the generations after us. Paul says, I want you to understand this very simple truth. Never stop learning. Never stop growing. We need to keep growing in our faith. I'm still learning things every day. When Ron and I read Scripture, there's something that just pops out that I thought, huh, I never saw that before, or I never thought about that before. 
When we read Scripture, we are growing in our faith. We're growing in our walk. We're growing in our understanding of who God is and how He wants us to love Him and praise Him. He wants us to understand not only that we love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but also to love our neighbors as ourselves. God wants us to keep growing. And Paul reminded Timothy, continue in what you have learned. Keep growing, keep studying, keep learning. And then he said, and the Word helps you to firmly believe that Jesus is the Christ. There are people today, as I mentioned already, that say Jesus is not the only way to heaven. There are people today that say, we don't need to talk about the blood of Jesus. Did you know that more and more churches are singing less and less of the blood songs? Because the blood of Jesus, guess what? It's offensive. It upsets people. And if you hint and hear my sarcasm, it is intended. The price that was paid For the sins of those who say, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life, change me, I will follow you. You are the God, the Christ, the living Son of God. When we say such a prayer, the price paid was that Jesus, God in the flesh, shed his own blood for the sins of every person who would but believe. God shed blood. He gave his life. We can't stop talking about the blood of Jesus. Now, as long as I'm your pastor, I'm going to talk about the blood of Jesus. I mean, I'm going to talk about it because it is the only way we can be saved. You see, Scripture is very clear. We're Not everybody's going to That's a big thing today, by the way. Everybody's going to heaven. A big thing today. There is no such thing as hell because hell's just not godly. Because God is love. Please catch my sarcasm. I, 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 sometimes I'm a little too sarcastic and, and, and people don't get it. So I'm going to say, okay, I was just sarcastic. Please get it. We need to keep growing. We need to keep learning. We need to, to stay true to the gospel. We need to stay true to who Jesus is. I remember years ago when I was pastoring in Dallas, Georgia, one of the members of the church, he didn't come very often. Uh, and I don't really know why, but when I met him for the first time in his home or at his home, I didn't go in because outside I noticed a bunch of boxes, and I didn't know what those boxes were. He was raising rattlesnakes. He had a lot of rattlesnakes in his yard, and I thought, if they're here, they may be there. I ain't going to that man's house. And I asked him, well, what do you do with these rattlesnakes? And he said, well, I grow them for the venom, you know, for the anti-venom. But he said, I also sell them to churches who are snake handling churches. And I went, "Mm -mm. no, 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 we don't do that. But what was interesting was not his obsession with rattlesnakes. It was what he told me about his belief that Jesus and Mary It was not an immaculate conception. He believed that Joseph was the father of Jesus and that Jesus became God. I'm like, you are out of your rocker. I don't know if he'd been bit. I don't know if he got knocked on the head with one of them rattlesnakes. I don't know what his problem was. 
but he and I had an intense conversation in his front yard that Mary was immaculately conceived by the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is fully God and fully human in one, and that he gave his life. And he looked at me and said, I do not believe that. That was many years ago. Jesus is the Christ. We need to keep growing. Secondly, we see that the Bible is our roadmap. He said in verse 15 and 16, he says, And you know that from childhood you've learned the sacred scriptures. Timothy, Paul, all of those folks in the New Testament, they only had the Old Testament. There was no New Testament. It was in the process of being written as men were inspired by the Spirit of God to pen those words. They had the book of Genesis and Deuteronomy. They had Numbers and they had Judges and they had the Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the record of the prophets. They had all of those books. And and Paul says as God inspired him, he said, you know that all of the Old Testament pointed us to Jesus. Paul refuted so many people in his day with the Old Testament Scriptures, reminding them of prophetic verses from Isaiah and Jeremiah and Hosea and the Psalms and many others that Jesus is the Christ. Not Paul alone. Peter did. John did. And the other apostles Jesus himself affirmed the Old Testament prophecies concerning himself. Even at the age of 12, Jesus confounded the religious leaders of the day with how God was upon him because they didn't get it. He wasn't just God upon him. He was God in the flesh. And so we need to understand that the Old Testament is not, well, old, irrelevant, The Old Testament is relevant. The New Testament is relevant. All of Scripture points us that Jesus is not just the Christ. He is the Christ who willingly gave his life. And then he gives us a roadmap for us to be successful. And so Paul reminds us, know from the Scriptures that gives us wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You see, it is so important for us to understand that the Bible is our roadmap. We start with who is Jesus. We look at his death. We look at his burial. We look at his resurrection. There were people in Paul's day, John's day, Peter's day, who said Jesus was never resurrected. Paul wrote to the Corinthians who were believing these lies. He said, if we believe there was no resurrection, we are of most men miserable. We have no hope. There are people today that believe the same thing. There are people today that say the crucifixion of Jesus was meaningless because all roads lead to heaven. Folks, we have got to stay true to what Scripture teaches us, Old and New Testament, to who Jesus is and who He will be for us in eternity We need to remember that Scripture has been inspired by God. It is profitable. We know what profit means, most of us. I think we do. If you have a 401k, if you have a savings account, if you go to work and you earn a paycheck, 
you understand that the goal financially in life is to close out your month with a little extra to make a profit, to grow your savings account. Many of us looked at our 401s not long ago. We were aghast. We were disturbed. Some recent reports have said that many of us who are nearing retirement age are going to postpone it because we lost so much. Some of you are going, I wished I had a retirement. Start. You're not getting younger. We have to make a profit. Scripture is profitable, meaning it adds gain to your life. In our sound system here in this room, there's a little button or, a, well, I guess you, I don't know what you call it. It's, it's, it's a line. It goes up and down. And, 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 and on, I think on ours, it uses the word gain, meaning you can increase or decrease the volume. If the system's not on, guess what? It's hard for some to hear. And sometimes the gain is so loud, you go, oh, please turn it down. So we, we won't profit in our spiritual life. Not only is the, the Scripture profitable, it's profitable for teaching. We need to understand Scripture. We need to learn more about Jesus. We need to learn more about the plan of God. It's also good for rebuking. A lot of folks don't like to be rebuked. Every child at some point in his or her life, has been rebuked. Rebuke means to be scolded, to, got, to be gotten on to. Some married folks uh, experience that. Mm. <clears throat> There's an, a, an ad on TV I saw. It's kind of funny. It's a sports analogy. And the husband is having a conversation with his wife, and then he throws down a thing and she said to him, oh, you're, you're going to call for the replay of our conversation. He said, yes, I am. And they saw the replay, and then he said, that was painful. Take it how you will. Rebuking is it's painful. But rebuke is necessary, meaning <clears throat> we all need to have somebody speak into our life. You don't need to be doing that. That's not going to help you. That will hurt you. That will harm you. And, and we need to learn to receive rebuking because rebuking helps us grow. And so Scripture's helpful for rebuking. It's helpful for correcting behavior. You know, if you are, I've always wanted to, to, to learn to fly an airplane. And it's kind of interesting from what I've studied when you're flying a, a, an airplane without all of the fancy computer stuff that keeps you on track. But when you take off and you're in the air, you're looking at all of the gauges and the instruments, and one of the most helpful instruments is the compass. You're, you're, you're leaving from Carrollton, and you're headed to Augusta, and you've got your compass bearings. You know Augusta's there, but you also have to account for wind speed headwinds, tailwinds, crosswinds, because the wind, while you're heading in the right direction, can actually push you off course. And you've traveled the right amount of time, and you look down and you go, nothing looks familiar down there. 
We, we need to understand that we need to at times correct our path to get back on the right course, to, to head in the right direction. So Scripture helps keep us corrected. We may think we understand it. We may believe we are in the right path. But Scripture can correct our path to head in the direction that God actually wants us to head on. Did you know that there are Christian folks today, denominations today, that are abandoning, that are abandoning Scripture? They think they're on course. And some of them even quote Scripture to get them on the course they want themselves and others to be on, but they misquote the Scripture or misuse the Scripture. A classic tactic Satan uses in churches and in the lives of people to get them off course. Jesus experienced it firsthand. As he was tempted in the wilderness, the devil came. And three occasions we are told that Satan told Jesus, trying to lead him to do something. But each time, Jesus quoted the Scripture and said, No, 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 no. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every breath of the Lord's Word. And then as their conversation progressed, do you know what Satan did? He told Jesus of Scripture. And the devil's still doing it today. He knows the Scripture He will take it out of its context. He will misuse it, and he will whisper in your ear. He will surround you with people who also believe such things to lead you off course. And Scripture says we've got to know what we know because if we listen to the wrong people, we will get off course, and we will will take on excess baggage, hurt, harm, that will lead us astray. And then he says uh, in verse 17 or 16, it's also good for training in righteousness. Scripture helps to train us to do what's right. We are ever learning new things, hopefully new things. Uh, William today learned something new. And William asked me some questions back there, and I did my best to answer said questions. So in just a few moments, I'm back there going, okay, William, this is what you do. you got to hit this button, you got to hit this button, and on the songs, you got to go here, here. You can do it this way, or you can do it this way. Wait, let's just keep it simple. Let's just do this. And then later, William asked for clarification. said, okay, when the sermon's over, you want me to press this button. I went, yes, press that button. Otherwise, people will hear me sing. William smiled. I must trust William now. But like Becky, I know where the power switch is on this microphone. You see, we, we, we need to learn new things. And, and we never know everything as a Christian. We are ever needing additional training in doing what is right. And so Scripture gives us the the plan for that. And the reason for all of this, verse 17 says, is so that you may be complete, complete, equipped for every good work. God wants you to be a complete work. We'll never be complete this side of heaven. We will ever be growing in our faith. 
And so we must always remember, God, help me work towards completion so that I will do my best in the work that you called me to do. That may be a husband or a wife. It may be a father or a mother, or it may be a son or a daughter. It may be a coworker. It may be a church member. It may see the list is endless of the works, the positions that you've been called into. But God wants you to be complete. Never stop growing. The Bible is your roadmap. God wants you to give Him your very best. So, just as a, a, a note of closing. There's baggage that we can put into our life. And the baggage is basically this. If you say, God, I don't believe you're going to judge. And God, I don't believe that you're going to kind of hold me accountable to this standard that this man's been talking about. If you want to throw that baggage on, it's going to, it's going to be painful. If you abandon the truths of Scripture... I want you to know this. If you're a follower of Jesus, Hebrews 12, 6 says this, For the Lord disciplines those He loves. God's going to... If you say, I don't want to live by the standards God has set in the Scripture, these are modern times, the Bible is outdated, then you are saying this, God, you can come in and judge me. You can help, because God will correct. When when I was a, a kid at home, My mom and dad were very good correctors. And I was a very imperfect child. The corrections ranged from a talking to, to taking things away, making my life difficult, and the occasional whoopings. I I experienced it all. God is also going to discipline His children according to Hebrews 12.6. He punishes, Hebrews 12, 6 says, each one he accepts as his child. If you read a little more in Hebrews 12, if you don't experience the discipline of God, Scripture says you're an illegitimate child. To put it another way, you're not born again. You're not saved. You're not going to heaven. God is not bound to discipline those of you who say, I don't need Jesus at all. But if you get out of line... God will discipline. Another thing I want to remind you, we cannot abuse God's grace. That's another baggage of today's culture. We can say, you know what? I am saved. I'm going to heaven. I've settled that. Now I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care what the Old Testament or the New Testament says. I'm going to live my life, and I'm going to live it the way I want to. Then you're going to invite that judgment, and it will cost you. Romans 6, 1 and 2 says this. This is a plea for every believer. He says, should we keep on sinning? Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more wonderful grace? The very next words, absolutely not. King James says it this way, God forbid it. God forbid that. 
There are people today who say, you know what, my marriage isn't going well. I don't like this situation, so I'm going to find love somewhere else. Well, that's called adultery. It's in the Scripture. It's sin. Some would say, you know what, I just don't like this. And we, you can rationalize whatever sin you want. But if you say, God's going to just forgive me, I'm going to abuse the grace of God, then, then, then you're saying, God, you just might as well bring on the judgment because we can't abuse the grace of God. It is amazing. But it's not to be abused. You see, Romans chapter 6 says that when we are saved, we should say, God, I want to do what pleases you. I want to do what honors you. I don't want to make a mockery of your sacrifice on the cross. I want to honor you. We also need to remember that when we do sin willfully, knowledgeably, Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, don't be misled. Don't be misled. You think you can do it, but you cannot mock God's justice. You will reap what you sow without exception. See, God is not going to stand by in heaven and go, hmm, I love Sam. Sam is pretty good overall, but every now and then he gets a little wild streak, and he gets little thoughts in his mind, and he listens to the whisper of the devil's voice, and then he just goes off and does what he wants to do. He, and I'm not going to mention anything specific, because I don't want to give you all any ideas. But Sam just, just listens to modern pop culture. And he goes and does it. And then he comes and says, oh, I'm sorry. God, I shouldn't have done that. You're a loving, gracious God. Please forgive me. God says, I'm going to forgive him. But I'm going to get in his life, and I'm going to make it a little miserable. And not only am I going to make it miserable, there is that law and principle of reaping what you sow. He is going to reap what he has sown in his life. And he's going to have to pay that price on top of my judgment. Scripture is eternal. We, we, can't, we can't work around these principles. You, you can't get away with these things. And so what we need to do, we know if you're a believer, you're going to heaven when you die. So between now and then... Keep reading the Bible. Keep praying. Keep studying. Keep taking the truth of God's Word and put it not just in your mind, but ask God to use it to change your heart. Meditate upon it. Practice it. Have someone stand with you and walk with you to say, uh-uh, don't do that. Or keep doing that. Keep pressing on.